Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. It says the emergency shutdown uh, test is part of WAPCO's 2024 scheduled maintenance activities and planned collaboratively with key stakeholders in the four countries and sanctioned by WAPPA. We'll get more from WAPCO in the coming days to explain to us whether this will affect power supply or its supply of gas to the power stations. But let's get to other stories. Former President John Ramani Mahama has thrown his support behind organized labor's call on the government to stop the value-added tax imposed on electricity consumption. The group gave government seven days to fully erase its planned imposition of 15% VAT on electricity consumption or face a nationwide shutdown from organized labor. In its directive to the Electricity Company of Ghana, the Ghana Revenue Authority and other government agencies, Finance Minister Kenneth Oriata instructed that all power consumers above lifeline level must pay the new levy, which forms part of government's COVID recovery program. But even before the policy is rolled out, there's fierce resistance from all quarters. We'll hear from the former President Mahama shortly, but first listen to Trades Union Congress that is up in arms against the government saying TUC members will not pay VAT on electricity consumption. Union leaders preparing to give a showdown to government. The Trade Union Congress, the umbrella body for all labor associations in Ghana, say they are unhappy about government's latest decision to impose a 15% value-added tax on energy consumers above lifeline levels. The Trade Union Congress says many of their members who are already overburdened with taxes will be slapped with additional charges after the imposition of this new levy. Dr. Anthony Albar is Secretary General of the Trade Union Congress. It is worth noting that 30 kilowatts hour of electricity allows the lifeline customers to use only three lead bulbs, one, uh, one electric iron, one television, and one fan. You know, and I want to emphasize that this 30 kilowatts hour thing, lifeline, it was 50. Since the early 90s. Yes, yes. Then in 2022, PURC changed it from 50 to 30. They did it quietly. We note that since 2022, electricity tariffs have gone up by 73%. So in 2021, if you were paying 100 Ghana cities, now that same customer is paying 173 Ghana cities. But there's a caution to government, a threat of labor unrest if government fails to totally reverse the policy. So today, organized labor, we have come together again, and our message to government is very simple. 
we cannot pay VAT on electricity. Period. We will not pay it today. We will not pay it tomorrow. So we are giving government up to 31st January 2024 to withdraw the letter. If by that time the Minister for Finance has not given the directive to ECG and ECO to stop the implementation of VAT on residential customers, we will advise ourselves. Levi's up in arms against government asking it to reverse the controversial 15% imposed on power consumers above lifeline level. A crunch meeting has just concluded here at the TEC Hall in Accra with a strong message to government to reverse the policy by the end of January or face the wrath of the organized labor. We are not ready to pay this VAT. It is not our reduction. It is not about negotiating it down. It is just wrong. And government should withdraw it wholly. That's all. And that is why we have come together as organized labor and we are calling on government to just remove that decision. If we don't get it, we'll continue to communicate on our platforms and the next actions that we need to take, we'll take them. We are going all out, and I have indicated before in previous interviews during the DDEP that we are ready to grant this country and start afresh. We are ready to do that. We have sacrificed enough. We have sacrificed enough. Let us again reporting for joining us. TEC Hall, Accra. The 2024 flag bearer of the NDC and former President John Mahama is expressing concern that the implementation of the VAT on electricity consumption would further burden Ghanaians who are already suffering from economic hardship. Excerpts of a statement released uh, shortly uh, this morning. Reads former President Mahama has thrown his support behind organized labor's call on governments to stop the VAT imposed on electricity. Uh, Mahama emphasized that the move would increase tariffs by nearly 21% and have a ripple effect on the prices of goods, services, and transport fares. He's urging government to reverse its decision and provide relief to Ghanaians. He's criticizing the Kofuad Obamia government, stating Ghanaians will continue to suffer as long as they remain in office. And he's highlighting the need for responsible utilization of recently released $600 million by the IMF and aged outgoing government exercise caution. The flag bearer is promising the NDC is eager and ready to address Ghana's economic challenges and provide substantial relief to Ghanaians upon assuming office in January 2025. He's also mentioned his vision to create well-paying jobs through a 24-hour economy policy and other initiatives. He's scheduled to begin a three-day Build Ghana tour of the Ashanti region on Wednesday, which is today, to interact and listen to concerns of people in the region. We'll be bringing you more on that, uh, the tour of Ashanti region uh, for you. And meanwhile, the electricity company of Ghana says it is yet to commence the implementation of the VAT on uh, 
electricity consumption. The company says it will need further clarification from the GRA on how to proceed with this implementation of the levy. Leila Abubakar is external communications manager for ECG. The value-added tax announcement that came uh, into effect in January has appalled a lot of our customers. The truth of the matter is that we haven't started implementing it, even though that letter says that it should have been activated in January. The reason being we still have to understand how to implement this tax. So we are having uh, active conversations with the Ministry of Finance, with the Ghana Revenue Authority, and with other stakeholders who have also brought their concerns forward. So for now, there's no value-added tax, as announced, included in residential tariff or residential customers buying electricity. For now, it's still the old status quo. When you buy, there's no VAT added to residential customers buying bills. So are you equally engaging stakeholders to perhaps resolve some of inter-stakeholder uh, challenges that may be affecting you know, power supply across the country? We've maintained an active engagement with our stakeholders who mostly comprise of the power generators to have them on the same page with us in terms of payments. I think since last year, our revenue generation has um, increased and we found a way of uh, ring fencing or having an agreement with the IPPs to hold on to the legacy debts that we owe them. But we are very up to date with the current bills that come to our desk. We try as much as possible to pay off those debts so that they can also function as um, businesses. And for any other issues that might be within, yes, usually we have engagements with all the stakeholders that are, are in, in. Then your final comment on the EVAT. Well, in a new twist of events, the Trade Union Congress Ghana is questioning why the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources has advanced work on its policy to remove value at a tax on multinational mining companies operating in Ghana. The group argues a pledge was made by Sector Minister Samuel Abujinapo to the Ghana Chamber of Mines that the charges will be removed by close of the first quarter of this year. TUC says these resource-rich companies ought to be the ones paying more taxes, including VAT on electricity. It is also important and very, very sad, comrades, very, very sad to note that why government is imposing VAT on us, residential customers of electricity, Plans are far advanced to remove VAT on mineral exploration in Ghana for wealthy multinational mining companies. And the media reports that we have read indicate that the Minister for Lands and Natural Resources, in a meeting with Ghana Chamber of Mines, assured them, Abu Jinabo, assured them that uh, that policy will be implemented in the first quarter of 2024. What, what kind of life is what, what kind of... <laughs> you know, you impose, you impose tariffs on poor consumers of electricity and then the wealthy multinationals, you are going to remove it. And he met them and assured them that by the end of this quarter, they are going to remove VAT from exploration for these rich companies. And so what kind of country are we living in? Normally, in situations like what we have in Ghana today, when our economy is misbehaving and so on, 
What, what happens normally is that our mineral resources, because those of you who have studied economics, minerals, gold and the rest, they are anticyclical. So if you have checked, when economies go down, people invest in gold. So if you have gold and there is a problem and your economy is going down, use the gold to prop it up. That's why they were trying this uh, oil for gold, whatever they are calling it. In a situation like this, that's what we expect. When there are shocks, both internal and external, you use your mineral resources because this is God-given. You use it to deal with the shocks, to cushion your economy from this external and internal shock. But in Ghana, sadly, that is not the case. It's, it's always the poor people in this country, including pensioners, who bear the brunt. And we should not allow that to continue. The Electoral Commission has justified its proposal to shift the voting date for both the presidential and parliamentary elections from December 7 to November 7. The EC also advocates election days to be designated as national holidays. These proposals were presented during the Inter-Party Advisory Committee meeting on Monday. Deputy Chairman of the Commission in Charge of Corporate Services, Dr. Bosman Asari, says the proposal stemmed from reforms presented by political parties in 2015. Actually, we discussed two things, uh, changing the election election date to a day possibly in November. Then secondly, making the day of elections a public holiday. Those were the two main issues that were discussed yesterday. And a public holiday was an acceptance yes. of that? Yes, because we made it clear to them that in 2020, we, we succeeded in making IPAC and the Electoral Commission wrote uh, to the chief of staff to uh, work on making December 7, 2020 a public holiday. And we're going to have a, a very high voter turnout. We gave a reason that the time for the EC to work on organizing the elections within uh, three weeks will be very, very tight. And beyond that, the time for the inauguration, you have a new government, and an old government living office, the time will be too short. So we gave those reasons for why we think that what was adopted in 2015 will still be relevant in 2024. So we, we told the parties that it came from them, they should support, so that all of us who work in tandem to ensure that we are able to change, have enough days in the event of a runoff, we'll be able to implement it successfully. There's more coming your way on this because we'll be gauging the mood of a political science lecturer on uh, on how this could impact on our elections and handing over, as well as swearing in our president uh, come 2024 elections. But as campaigning heats up for the MPP parliamentary primaries in the Ashanti region, political scientist Dr. Macho Boateng has admonished delegates to critically scrutinize candidates. The Bantama and Shiaeso and Tafo Pankrono are among constituencies blazing for the toughest contest on Saturday. Nana Boachi Adam has a spotlight on these constituencies where incumbent MPs are expected to face firm opposition.
in the Ashanti region, Bantama, Ishiaso, and Tafo Pankono are some key constituencies where incumbent MPs are expected to face tough competition in the MPP parliamentary primaries. The Bantama constituency has witnessed intensive internal contests where incumbent MPs lose. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Incumbent Francis Asensubwache, who has been in parliament for one term, is however optimistic of victory. The fiercest competition, I believe, was between myself and Honorable Kokofu. That was the, 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 the fiercest, as far as I'm concerned. This one, for me, is not a, it's a no match. When you go to the constituency, those who are voting, they see a big difference. Yes. Like a, a difference between a VIP bus and Pragya. That is the difference. It's a no match. I don't see this as a competition at all. Because it takes, it takes, it will take a nation record to choose my opponent over me. Given the unprecedented levels of development I've brought in Bantama against an opponent who has no record of active service to the party and to the competition. It will never happen in Bantama. Raphael the Japan is the unwavering opponent of Francis Asensubwachi, eyeing to unseat him from parliament. He's an MP who can't even socialize with people. He's perceived to be arrogant. But now I agree with them. Because he talks as if he's, you know, the chief of the world. Calling himself a VIP and then me Aboboya and then I'm visionless. Hey, excuse me. Confident of his victory, Raphael shared his vision for the constituency. My, my, whatever I'm saying is genuine. I will not come to you, talk to you, and then just for the sake of um, um, asking you for your vote. I have a genuine heart for Bantama constituency. And I've been doing this over time. That's why you made mention of the uh, fact that I have gained popularity over a short period. No. No. I have been in this constituency God knows when. The time I was born. And they know me, I interact with them. Anytime I'm out of a crime, I'm in Kumasi, I'm with Bantama people. They know what I've done for people who are uh, seeking to get school fees to pay their tuition, medical fees, medical uh, money for, medi- for medicine, and all that. A lot of them. Within the party, we've done a um, series of legal works for the party. So the records are there for everybody to interact. Political scientist Dr. Amache Boateng says the Bantama constituency has become a hotspot for years. He believes the incumbent MP can possibly retain his seat. It's not necessarily a case of a, a support for a one-term member of parliament in Bantama. No. But the place has become like Congo Dia, you know, a battleground because of the size of the constituency. Sensibuachi has definitely done what he has to do. One would have expected that maybe Ochamboaji might have come back if he were to be with us and possibly throw in, not necessarily throw in, I mean offer him a challenge. That would have been something of a challenge. At the Tafo Pankono constituency, incumbent MP Vincent Ekowasifua will battle it out with Sewa Donko after the two locked horns in the 2020 the primaries. The shoes that I met was a very big shoe. 
that is the shoe of Dr. Antonio Couture say. The question or the big question always was that, how are we going to get someone to be able to fill in that shoes? And I have no doubt in my mind that within three years, um, I have been able to achieve a lot for the people of Otavo constituency today. But Sewa Donko believes she's the best for the job. development fund. After a failed court injunction, the Inshaeso constituency will be part of Saturday's primaries. Incumbent MP Dr. Stephen Amwa will face a former MP and DCE for Asakari Bampong Kennedy Kankam. Dr. Amwa is confident of winning because he claims his opponent contributed less to the party's progress after losing the primary in 2020. For the past three years, nobody has supported MPP in Ashiaiso to the best of my knowledge. Any local activity I pay for. No one, when I lost election, I supported them. I supported my predecessor campaign, everything. I was paying money, funerals, even the constituency's activity I paid for. But three years, nobody, in fact, my predecessor lives in the same area with me. Yabai He was very fortunate to have gotten M- MCE's position, which is just here, as well as here in Shia, so they are the same. Just recently, we just divided them. Not even a funeral activity, he supported them. I have been paying everything, the constituents they know. Meanwhile, Kennedy Kankam has begun his intensive campaign dubbed Sankofa. Dr. Amache Boateng cautioned delegates against voting for candidates who may not help transform their constituencies. In democracies, the core issue that democracies simply bring about, selecting the right caliber of people to represent you know, the citizens in parliament, in various positions of responsibility. If in doing that, you take money, and on the basis of that, vote for somebody, on the basis of that, select somebody. That is it. For your news, Nana Boatitakoyadom, Kumasi. In Oforikum, the decision of Dr. Emmanuel Kwabnama for not to return to parliament has opened up that constituency for a tough contest. Five candidates have been cleared by the party to contest Saturday's polls. One of the leading candidates in the Oforikum primary is Michael Aidu, who has described his victory as an apparent phenomenon. There's more in this report. The new patriotic party is working towards its agenda of break the eight. Around constituencies, machinery and tactics are being employed in hopes of raising the party's numbers in the December 7th elections. The Oforikom Party Office has received logistics for effective party work gearing up for December's elections. A candidate in the Oforikom Parliamentary Primary, Michael Edu, has distributed 22 motorcycles to the 22 polling stations of the constituency. He says the gesture is to cement his obligations as a candidate seeking to represent the Oforikom constituency. When it comes to elections, you need logistics to move around. You know, one of the main activities that the party does is doing door-to-door campaigning. And when you don't have the logistics, it's quite difficult to move around various um, communities and uh, 
um, um, neighborhoods. So with these motorbikes, I believe that we'll be able to garner the support that we need. We'll be able to enter the, the, the very difficult places that are difficult to reach. It will also speed up our processes in terms of the final day operations in collecting of our pink sheets and other party strategies and operations. Uh, today we have all the elders of the party here, we have the constituency executives, we have all the delegates, most of the delegates present here, representing every electoral area. So this shows the level of acceptance that uh, I have within the constituency. Uh, the delegates have accepted the, and, and believed in my hard work and they also believe that I can advocate well for the party and represent the party well in the Fulcrum constituency. We are going to win these elections. We don't want anybody to um, to fall into any issues. No um, uh, cause for alarm. They, they should be calm and resolute behind me. 27, they should go march peacefully. Euphorikum NPP Constituency Chairman Antonio Amankwa says breaking the eight should be the ultimate goal of candidates going into the primaries. We are very serious and we are working hard to win 2024 election because it's going to be a history. Uh, you will be more or more grateful if other candidates will also follow the same and, and do the same thing for our party because uh, in, in politics it's about numbers. In terms of I mean, people who are going to work for the party and in terms of logistics, in terms of everything, it's about numbers. If you have the logistics in abundance, then and you'll be able to plan well towards the election. So you'll be grateful if other candidates will also I mean, do the same for the party. Reporting for joining us, Clinton. We can go back to our story on the Electoral Commission justifying its proposal to shift voting date for both the presidential and parliamentary elections from December 7 to November 7. The EC also advocates election days to be designated as national holidays. These proposals were presented during the Inter-Party Advisory Committee, IPAC, on Monday. Deputy Chairman of the Commission in Charge of Corporate Services, Dr. Bosman Asari, says the proposal stemmed from reforms presented by the political parties in 2015 have been joined by a senior lecturer at the political science department of the University of Ghana, Dr. Asasanti, uh, for a conversation on this. Doc, I'm grateful for your time. First, what's your stance in the proposal for, on the proposal for change in dates from December 7 to November 7? Is it safe? Oh, I think there's nothing wrong with it. Um, <clears throat> once it's a proposal that is coming from the stakeholders, uh, it shouldn't be difficult for us to accept because uh, by the time they propose, they have done all the, uh, the groundwork. So they are convinced that that period is safe and that uh, it can support our, our cause. Now, there's another proposal for the day to be declared a holiday. Already there are concerns of too many holidays. I mean, why should the voting day be made a holiday? That's where I have a difficulty because, you know, you can, over the years, we have been voting without a holiday. So why do you want to dedicate that day uh, solely for voting without doing any business of government? I think... Uh, it, 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 it affects our productivity and 
for me, um, we are getting too many holidays and it doesn't support the cost of a country that wants to build capacity and uh, we move on uh, in this globalized world. <clears throat> so I think that, yes, the first proposal is okay. You want to change the date and then put it in November. Well, but for a holiday, I think uh, my different view. But of course, um, will this have any um, effect on the political parties, the activities? Uh, and I'm coming back to the, the change of the December date to November. Have we ever had cause to complain that the December 7 is not um, effective enough? I don't know the reason behind that, uh, the, 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 the selection of that. Case. They said it will give them a, a, a ample time for the swearing-in and handing over and all of that. And I'm saying, have we had cause to complain about, I mean, those uh, things? It's been December all these years. Yeah, sometimes we have no complaint, but there's a problem there. Uh, they, the, two, the good news is that the two parties who are at the forefront of this discussion and support with the electoral commission, they have experienced these things because they've been in government by changing, handing over from one government to another and all that. They think there is always a difficulty there. So if this will uh, bridge the gap for them, why not? Uh, why not? It will not affect anything. I believe uh, once the stakeholders have identified as uh, problematic and they want to deal with it, I think it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes, but declaring it as a holiday is where I have a difficulty because we have done it over the years without holiday and we, 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 we move on. With the myriad of challenges pointed at the EC, recently the former EC chair, Afarijan, uh, uh, listed a number of issues that the Electoral Commission should deal with. You think this should be a priority? Oh, it's one of the, 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 the issues that are on the table for a very long time. So if they want to deal with it, fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong they looking at issues and trying to deal them deal with them in terms of what reform. But what we are saying is that it's not everything that needs to be reformed. For instance, the issue of what, uh, you know, absence of indelible English, uh, ink. I disagree with that because over the years, we have worked with the use of indelible ink and it has really served us well. So I don't know why, in the name of reform, they want to throw that one away. That one poses a great danger for us if we don't handle it well. And you know, elections are not something we want to toy with at all. And, and uh, yes, and, and I'm happy you talk about one of the issues that have generated a lot of controversy, the, the um, taking out of indelible inks. There are other issues, but generally, if you look at the Electoral Commission, is it... Um, poised for election 2024 and it's is it ready to actually um, improve on its services definitely they owe a duty to themselves and the people that they serve that they need to work uh, improve uh, on their services from time to time the last election uh, we were not happy about some of the things that occurred for instance the, the, the last election we, we saw a whole lot of you know, problems that uh, came out. Or, uh, particularly, we can uh, pinpoint the issue of the announcing results and coming back uh, to, uh, you know, as it were, 
uh, come out with a rejoinder or another set of what uh, results. Those things are nothing that help anybody. In fact, they create all manner of danger for the country. If they are not sure about uh, the results, they should wait, get everything right before they come out. But you announce and tomorrow you announce another one. Was it a rejoinder or what? All these things create doubt in the minds of what? The ordinary man who is voting. Remember that one of the, 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 the cornerstones of building a solid electoral system is that there should not be any doubt about the process whatsoever so that you give people the confidence so that when they... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera pero este comenzará en tu mente ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Selection, they are ready to accept defeat and abide by the rules of the game. So you don't get any doubt in the minds of the people. So I believe that they have identified all these problems and then this time around they want to work up their game. I'm grateful for your time. Dr. Kwame Asante. he is a senior lecturer at the Political Science Department at the University of Ghana, also director of uh, Center of European Studies at the University of Ghana. Well, we'll see how uh, the EC improves on its services going into election 2024. It's a conversation we'll be having from now onward. So the elections are held. Let's get on to other stories. The inadequacy of desk in Kumasi Academy and many other schools is partly contributing to poor academic work. The deficit compels some students to share monodesk. The Global Alumni Group of Kumasi Academy has intervened to help solve the furniture deficit and improve education. There's more in this report. The evaluation of quality education and conducive learning environments typically consider students' comfort and ample intramural resources. The situation is different at the Kumasi Academy in the Asokore Mampon municipality in the Ashanti region. Classes end up partially choked with two to three students packed on the available limited monodex, according to the headmaster. Samuel Kwame Gatu. The school established in 1957 is recording an overwhelming number of intakes with over 4,500 students as the current population. Can you imagine when students are learning? The plastic chairs that we use in the church service, that is what they were using without a writing desk, writing on their laps because what we were having wasn't enough. By the grace of God today, we can boast of 1,000 monodesks, courtesy of Agroba Kunimi. We call upon them, they quickly respond to our call because they are critical and relevant stakeholders so far as the development of the school is concerned. Mr. Gato spoke in appreciation of a donation of a thousand monodex and 50 bank beds made by the Global Alumina Union. President of Akunini Global, Harry Boache, emphasized the urgency of the situation as a driving force behind this gesture, highlighting the Alumina Union's commitment to alleviating the challenges faced by their alma mater. Through the efforts of the 2003 year group, we presented another, uh, I think, 150 of the monodex before the current thousand that we are providing today. We, as 
Our Global Media Academy Task Students Association. We have put on our shoulders that as and when we collaborate with the school and then they come out with any issues or things that we can provide to help the school, we are there to support the school. Either through provision of uh, furniture or any infrastructure, we are there. And the good thing is, we have a very dedicated old students union who are willing and have the power and focus to help the school. And that's to me the joy being the president that having a bunch of students, a bunch of old students or past students who also have such desire and passion for the school. Some students and alumni group members added that learning in a conducive environment is assured with the gesture. Um, we are very, very thankful to them because I don't know being for them. Currently, we will still be standing. You still go to class and then you find them standing there. You see a form three students writing his final paper and then the person is standing. But right now that we have all these, I believe that teaching and learning is going to be very conducive because you go and then the student is sitting, feels comfortable then fully attentive to whatever the teacher is saying. This is something we want to encourage all other alumni associations we have in the country. If every past uh, school members would embark on such projects, I believe that government will have very little to do when it comes to education. So what I want to encourage is that all alumni associations we have in the country, they should all come together, try and do something for their school. Reporter for Join News, Clinton. Residents of Seprepo in the Kbon Katamansa municipality are resisting planned construction and operation of a filling station in their community. The residents deem the siting of the facility as a danger to safety and security in the area with reference to the June 3 fire and flood disaster. Executive member of the Seprepo Zone 3 Landlords and Ladies Association, Charles Dubin, addressed a news conference at Kakasonanka number 2. The aggrieved residents say sighting of the fuel station poses a great risk to hundreds of school children at Christ the King Presby Primary and JHS and the church, which are three houses away from the site. They added that the filling station, being a few meters away from the base ammunition depot of Michel Camp, could spell doom in the event of an explosion as the depot experienced a blast about four years ago. Although these residents, since September 2023, have drawn attention of authorities to the potential dangers of the station, their cries have fallen on deaf ears. Executive member of the Port Zone 3 Landlords and Ladies Association, Charles Dubin, indicated they have informed Bunkatamansu Municipal Chief Executive Samuel Okuamankwa and others who matter. We are giving the authorities two weeks from today. If they don't halt the project, the residents' association, the citizens of this community, is going to demonstrate against the government, the authorities, the MCE, the commanding officer of Michel Camp, the commanding officer of BAD, because we've already written to them. So we are giving them two weeks. After two weeks, if we see anybody in that, in that construction site, the resident is going to mobilize and then go against them. We will never allow anybody 
to come to the site and work. Assembly member for the area, Prince Jacob Ajavo, shares his frustration in getting the Ponkatamansu Municipal Assembly to act. So at a point in time, the complaint came up. There's a filling station going on here. Um, we took time to confirm that. We sent this complaint to the committee in assembly with security and justice um, with a report. At our very last general meeting in assembly before the year ended, this issue came up. About 100 teams made up of junior high pupils have today exhibited their prototype projects aimed at addressing societal problems. This forms part of the Ghana Science Technology Explorer Prize GSEP Challenge, which aims at developing the interests of young people in STEM education. Let's cross over to the Accra International Conference Center, where Shola Adeyemi is there for more. All right, so we are here at the Accra International Conference Center where the exhibition of the Ghana Science and Tech Explorer Prize Challenge is happening. Now, if there's anything we know, is the fact that the teams that are here, you know, to show us their prototypes, to exhibit their prototypes, have all been entreated to go into their communities, find things that are happening there. So if there are challenges, they pick them up and, you know, come up with solution, innovation to mitigate these challenges. Now, as I have said, we are here today. If you look beside me, you can see that a lot of people are setting up. There are some of them who are done and there are some who are still setting up. But the team that strikes me today is an all-girl team. You can see four beautiful girls standing behind me. They are the classicals. And we're going to find out what their prototype is about. What challenge is it going to mitigate? And what are the components of their prototype? Hello, darlings. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Now, I know that your name is a classical, but will you tell me your names individually? What's your name? I'm Esther Danso Ameo. I'm Salata Bey. I'm Prislin Chua. I'm Prislansa. And I'm Lois. After we finish, I'm going home with all of you. But yes, I want to know, what is the name of this prototype that I can see here? TCA Purifier. What is the TCA Purifier? Tell me more about it. So please, the TC air purifier works by drawing on clean air to pass through its medium. It contains a UV sterilizer which deactivates microbacteria present in the air. It also contains a filter and a cotton which trap the solid particles in the air. And we also have the activated charcoal which also prevents odor and also smoke. So this device, our, our device is different from other modules because many air purifiers can be placed in rooms, but our purifier can be placed in rooms and also in the entrance of the room so that it's filled, it purifies the air before it gets into the room. So meaning they are trying to tell us that when we have these air purifiers in the room, we won't be coughing anymore, right? Yes. So yes, this, um, this and more is what is happening here. I told you that if you look around, you see that people are setting up. People to my left are already setting up here. We have a lot of teams who are also setting up. But another team has caught my attention. I'm going to be speaking to them shortly. They are the Sharks. Hello. Hello, guys. How are we doing? Yes, we are fine. From behind, I could see your prototype, and it hit me. It caught my attention. So tell me, what is the name of this prototype? And as I said earlier, that these prototypes are, you know, used to solve societal challenges. So what societal challenge are you using this prototype to solve? Okay. Please, you are solving the, the communication barriers between two or more people. And we also know that communication is a key. Communication is a key to other people. So we know that if there is a problem in communication, 
So we must get um, an idea to solve this problem. So we made this device called the Shatek Language Translator. So it translates from the English to the tree language. Wow. English to tree. So no matter the, the English I speak, it will take it into tree? No, but for now, it's a model. So we are not training it. And also, what makes our device special is that the already existing translators, they bring out the output in text. Maybe some people don't know how to read tree, but if it is in sound, people will be able to understand. So that is what makes our device special from the already existing translators. Okay. And please, the reason why we made this translator because we know that when foreigners come to our country, Ghana here, because we want to help develop Ghana. So we made this language translator to help translate from the English to all our local languages here. So as time goes on, we are going to translate from the from the English to the Ghana, English to the Fancy, English to the other languages, and we will add more um, local languages to it and other international languages. So how does it work? How do I get it to translate right now if I say something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Language. So if um, you want to test it right now, these are the, uh, like, written speeches on here. So, say something in So, uh, okay, so I can just program it right now. Wow, we've said that you can see here that we have a translator and they are testing it out. So, Rana, what are you doing? Lois Adeyemi there with those girls exhibiting some problems they found in the community and they came up with uh, the uh, solutions to those problems. We'll bring you more from the conference center in our subsequent bulletins. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's business. Hi, good morning. Welcome to business. My name is Daryl Kwan. Let's extend support to the victims of the Akosombo Dam spillage to alleviate the plight of displaced individuals. Group CEO and Managing Director Kwame Osei Prempe said the move is to give back to communities it operates within. He spoke during the presentation of a check of 150,000 cities to the Member of Parliament of the Northern Constituency, Samuel Okujetua-Blakwa. The initiative is to reduce the difficulties faced by the affected individuals and families and exemplify Goyal's commitment to fostering meaningful connections and actively contributing to the wealth of the communities within which it operates. In October last year, the day he woke up to very sad news of over spillage of the Akosomo Dam, which caused many deaths and rendered thousands of Ghanaians homeless. Um, you know that many responsible state institutions have come to your aid, and God be one of the most respected companies in Ghana cannot stay out of. So we decided from last year that we had to make a donation to mitigate your suffering. Member of Parliament of the North Town Constituency, Samuel Okujetua Black, expressed his admiration for Goyal Ghana's thoughtful intervention. And we want to emphasize that this is no mean a donation. 
It is a very huge one, and we deeply appreciate it. Um, we have set up a trust of a sort where an account has been created. The chiefs, and then uh, we appointed uh, Professor Imanoneche Afedo, who is very good at disaster management. Um, he is chairing uh, the, the trust we call the Accountability Elders Council. So we want to assure you that uh, this check will be paid into that fund, and it is administered uh, very transparently. All our chiefs are part of the process, the deliberations, and they decide on how uh, it should be administered. Now, the World Bank Board has approved $300 million to help support some budgetary projects and stabilize the economy. The support, which comes under the development policy operation, is expected to help Ghana's economic recovery and finance some projects identified in the budget. George Afi has more. World Bank Board says this is the first of several support that will be advanced to Ghana to aid in the recovery of the economy. This $300 million should also go a long way to help restore fiscal sustainability, improve energy sector financing in the country. The World Bank, by this support, is also looking at how domestic revenue can be improved as well as controlling expenditure. The bank also was the view that it should help in restoring fiscal and debt sustainability that would help in curbing inflation in the country. The disbursement follows Ghana's passing of the first review under the IMF program last Friday by the executive board of the fund. The development should mean that almost $1 billion should hit government of Ghana's accounts at the Bank of Ghana before the end of this month. That is more than $600 million from the IMF and then there's $300 million from the World Bank Group. Joy Business also understands that other donor partners are expected to meet in the coming weeks and approve some additional financing for Ghana to help stabilize the economy. That's it for business. I shall be back to wrap up. Stay with us. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC.